What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We did it with one truck. Mm. We had 20 people on one truck. Wow. But let me tell you something. All 20 of them people passed. We keep our word to these people, man, because I went to truck driving school. I know how I felt. I know the things that were done to me. I know um, the rudeness. I I know that I know that feeling. And I don't want people to walk away from me the way I walked away from them feeling. Turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Hustle fam, hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode. I am here live on location in Commerce, Georgia at Three Rivers Truck Driving School with the incomparable Michelle Harris. What's up, Michelle? How are you, man? What's up? I'm excited to have you here. Listen, listen, I'm excited to be here. Um, I have to say, you know, we we just now were on site with with the students and I got to get that experience. It's been a long time since I've been in the truck driving <laughs> school environment, but it was so dope. Like, I really love the vibe that you guys have curated here and created. These students are happy. They're enjoying themselves. They're learning. They're excited. You're fully engaged with them. And I love what you're doing. So congratulations <laughs> on the culture that you've built here. And wow. um, I can't wait to explore it, explore your story and get into it. Let's go. All right. So first of all, I got to say welcome to Truck and Hustle. You're now part of the family. <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, com- customarily, we, we, we're we going to go through the whole story. Right? Yeah. We're going to start from A to Z. So we always got to start from the beginning. Right. So just kind of tell the audience a little bit about yourself, kind of reintroduce yourself and tell everybody where you're from. OK, well, originally born in Gary, um, moved to Chicago, Rockford, all over the Northwest. Um and um, married to Ari Deadweiler, 10 years. And our background is, has always been trucking because he came into the marriage as a truck driver. So our background has always been trucking. And um, Ari just had a knack to train people. Like, that's just who he was. Like, he just loved helping people. And um, so for a while, he did um, training for free. Okay. <laughs> he would just like people would call, hey, man, I want to get my CDL license. Can you help me? And he would just come off the road, train people real quick, go back on the road, come back, let him borrow the truck, you know. And I started thinking like, man, you're really good at this. I never really wanted a school. I just wanted to help people who were coming home from prison. That mm. was my biggest thing. Like, um, and how I got there. So fast forward from us being in the industry, then we got to us wanting to help people was I'd always done prison ministry. When we lived in Texas, um, I used to go into the prisons every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay. And we would go into the prison and do like Bible study, do everything, pray for the people. Like it was my passion. Like it was I was just, I loved it. And so when we, um, while I was there doing prison ministry, um, my phone was ringing one day. And you know you're not supposed to have a phone in there. So I'm like, why is it buzzing like that? And I couldn't answer it. So I waited till I came out. 
I got to the car and I called the person who was calling me. I'm like kind of upset because I could have gotten in trouble and got kicked out the program. So it's this little voice on the phone and she's like, I know you don't know me, but your son just got arrested for armed robbery. Mm. And I'm like, what? What you mean? Like, I just talked to him. I literally had just talked to him about a week ago. And um, it just was like, God, how is this happening? How am I the parent going through this now? And I've been the one on the other field helping them. Now my son's in this situation. Right. So um, I got back in the truck after that last week of doing prison ministry. I got back in the truck and I was thinking, I said, man, what can we do now that he's there? What's the next step? Because like I heard all these stories. I started researching what what happens when people come home. What happens when they go in for a long period of time? Because he had been given seven years. Okay. So now it's like, what's going to happen when he's in there? What um, PTSD, all this stuff. Like I got to figure out how do we get him back to himself? Because it's it's inevitable he's going to have to do the time. Right. Right. So um, after researching, I got doors slammed in my face. Nobody really wanted to help us. It was like a common thing. And to me, it wasn't common because it was my child. You know, so I'm looking at them like, no, like this is a good kid. But they looked at it like he was a grown man, even though he was 17, 18. This is a grown man. Like, you don't care. He's your baby. Right. So um, after doing all that research, nobody I didn't find the help that I needed. So one day I was like in the truck, I was driving and I said, you know what? Why can't we teach them how to drive trucks? I said, don't it make sense to like these people, if you're afraid to be around them, put them in a truck and they'll just travel and they can make money. You don't have to worry about them being in your neighborhood, breaking in your house. None of that. They could travel and make money. They won't need to rob anybody because they have money. So my husband was like, yeah, but how are you going to do it? I was like, I don't know, but we could figure it out. So I went around trying to different type of government organizations asking, you know, hey, this is what we want to do. No, everybody we went to. So I was like, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to do it out of our own pocket. That's how it's going to have to be. So um, we stopped asking for help. I started going into the prison. And then as I'm talking to my son, I would talk to other people in there like, hey, would you want to drive a truck? You know, just trying to get to know people and stuff. And they would tell me, man, yeah, man, I was thinking about that. My brother told me about that. My uncle driving. So they all knew that they wanted to get in the truck. They just didn't know how Mm. to get into it. So I was like, well, what if we, since he was already there, what if we paid him to tell people about driving the truck? And when they came out, you know, that would be a referral for him, something to give him <laughs> something to do. You right, know? right, right. So he started telling people, hey, my mom and them, you can hit her up. You know, Miss Michelle, she can teach you how to drive a truck when you come home. And people started calling. Okay. Like, hey, uh, so you can teach me how to drive a truck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. 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 So it just went from there. And we never, ever intended to train anybody that hadn't went to prison. That was never our goal. We only wanted to structure ourselves around people who had been to prison because we felt like they needed our help more than anything. And then what ended up happening was it just kind of grew into where other people who had never been in trouble were like, hey, I want to go to your school. Right. I want to like. My cousin went there. He got his license. My sister went there. She got her license. My mom went there. She got her license. I'm like, wow. So it just turned into like a a community thing where we just wanted to help one group of people, but then everybody needed help. People who 
did not go to prison, but they still wanted to get into the industry. So it turned into like a snowball effect for us just trying to just help people, yeah. I guess you would say. So, and that's how Three Rivers got started. Got gotcha. you. Started helping people. Awesome story. So the catalyst for this company was basically reform, change, helping your son out, giving your son something to do, right? To where he could refer people, as you said, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of snowballed into what it is today. Yep. All right, cool. So we're going to rewind a little bit because I want to kind of get through the story because there's a lot you said there and I want to kind of <laughs> unbox some of it, right? Okay. So you said you bought uh, Gary, Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. So how, Gary, that's where the Jacksons are from, is yep. that correct? Yep. So how was it in Gary coming up? Tell me um, a little bit about that. Well, I lived in Miller okay. and during the time that I lived in, and I hope a lot of my friends from Gary is watching this. It was bad when we grew up. Like we grew up during the time where it was like the original gangsters and I lived in the project. So um, it was just, it was a bad time, but it, it taught us a lot. Like, I don't know any person that I grew up with in Miller, Indiana, especially the females during the time that I was growing up, that they're not true hustlers. Right. I, like, we were taught by these OGs, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. We couldn't date in, in the... Pro- no, you you could not come in our neighborhood if you didn't live there. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> like, we kind of learned how to... Um, manipulate through life. We learned that from watching these older men and these young boys grow up and um, it taught us a lot. It was rough, but we made it out and um, like, man, I wouldn't change my childhood. It was bad, but I wouldn't change it. What'd you say the projects was called? Miller? Miller Projects. Miller Projects? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, what, did you went to high school and everything in Gary mm-hmm. and then did you go to college? Nope, no college. No college. All right. So when you first started embarking on like your career and everything, like what did you do first? Like after like school? So let me say this. I remember when I was like seven years old mm-hmm. and this has still been with me. I remember waking up telling my mom one day I had a dream about a lady. I was like living in this apartment and I could see this woman walking past every day with heels on and a briefcase. Okay. And I kept telling my mom, I want to go wherever she's going. And so that was my vision. And I didn't know until right now, like as I'm, as an adult now, I was that woman. So I was seeing myself in the future. As a business person. As a business person. And so my whole key was, even throughout high school, I didn't want people to know I came from the projects because I was a business person. I wanted to develop myself into that. So I hid a lot of things because I really wanted to develop that character of a businesswoman. Okay. I love that. So that was number one. I always knew that I wanted to do business without, I didn't have any training in it, no college education, none of that. Okay. I probably, and I dropped out of high school. I dropped out um, the 11th grade year because I got pregnant with my son. Okay. And I didn't have a babysitter, couldn't go to prom. So it, it was what it was during that time. So do you know why you were interested in business at such a young age? I mean, did you have anybody in your family that were business people or what, what was so like, special to you about that woman in the briefcase like now in, in hindsight like thinking mm-hmm. about it do you know why i think it was my purpose okay just your purpose i think it was my god-given purpose Dope. to be that woman okay because i didn't have those examples um my mom wasn't a business person but she did her best you know we come from a line where you know food stamps and i'm i mean like yo food stamps like if i had them now i would definitely <laughs> use them but you know we come from that food stamps um WIC program um, living in the projects, free rent, you know, stuff like that. But um, I guess having that and having that picture of that woman, it always gave me something to go back to. So whenever things didn't work, I always knew I had to go back and figure out from that, I guess, um, 
manifestations of who that woman was. So yeah. I had to dig deeper and find her. So gotcha. I think it was just my purpose. Okay. So you start embarking on your entrepreneurial journey at what age? Like what do you start to do to kind of manifest that woman with the briefcase? Yep. So <laughs> this is funny. So listen, I remember um, at 16 years old, I used to try to hang out with the dope boys. So I'd be trying to figure out like, okay, so you could flip this and you could do this. Right, right, right. You know, so I always had that intuition of how to flip money. I knew, I used to watch everything. So okay. I hung out at the basketball court like, man, like, yo, I want to know how to do this. Right. But I, I, I don't think I had the courage to do it. Got you. But, um... So around 16, I realized what it was to make money. Like, cause I grew up in that. That's all I knew. I dated dope boys. All That's all I ever knew. No, I'm sorry. So um, that lifestyle, I guess I wanted the lifestyle, but not the trouble that came behind it. Understood. I knew it was a problem behind it, but I wanted the money. Yeah. So um, I took the hustle mentality that I learned there and I applied it to my life. So um, once I had my son, I moved to California without any parents, um, anybody. I just got on the bus and I went to California because I wanted to do something different. So I went to California, <laughs> lived there, um, kind of like room with people, you know, and I paid my way. Room, I just figured my way out because I wanted to do something different. And how old are you now in California? You said six, 17? I was like 17. Okay. In California, and I like literally left my mom's house. We always had like a rocky relationship, so I left my mom's house and I got on the bus and I went to California with okay. my son. Were you gonna be in Hollywood, be an actress? No, um, <laughs> but I can act though. I believe People you. People tell me that. I believe you. I believe um, you. I see some but, acting chops there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I wanted to um, just live in a different place. Okay, I wanted to see the world and. Coming from the projects, I didn't have that ability. The only ability, the only thing we ever got to do um, from a little girl growing up was my uncle. My uncle Pete, God rest his soul, would come and get us every summer. And he would take us out of the projects to like the carnivals and stuff. That was the only time I ever really got out. So um, when all my other friends in high school and stuff, they would get to go on summer trips and stuff like that. We didn't have that, you know. So I knew that I wanted that. So... When I when I got the ability to travel, I traveled. I saved my money for my summer job, and my mom, she know, she told me I had to leave because there were some things that happened. And um, I got on the bus. I took my son, went to California, and we lived. We roomed with people that I met. You know, they were nice. I felt their vibe, and they helped me sign me, helped me sign up for food stamps again. Okay. And I got some good old wit cheese and stuff, <laughs> you know. And um, I started like kind of. That's when I started learning how to live on my own. Because I'd always been with my mom, my grandmother. But when I moved to California, I really knew that I could make it on my own. Mm. But All right, guys. Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. And then when I came back from California to Indiana um, at 18, I got married, like right at 18 years old. So you stayed there for a year and then yep. came back. OK. And um, I got married and I just kind of lost that independence, you know, because I was trying to be a wife. So I 
kind of threw everything away and I'm going to be a good wife. And I was the first woman and on my mom's side of the family, the second woman on mom's side of the family to be married. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to do this and everything. But I lost myself. Mm. You know, I wasn't that hustler girl no more. I didn't have those dreams. And that woman that I saw in the picture, she was slowly fading away because I was trying to be a wife and a mom and stuff like that. And so um, at the end of that marriage, that marriage lasted about about 10 years. And at the end of that marriage, I remember um, seeing that woman again. And this time I was like, this time I'm not letting her go. Right. So I jumped on the bus. And I went to, um, no, I just got a driver's license because I had always been driving buses and stuff like that, public transportation. Okay. I didn't even have a driver's license until I got married. Okay. And he didn't want me to have a driver's license because, <laughs> you know, he was doing dope boy stuff too. He didn't want me to figure out what he was doing. All right. So he wouldn't let me get a driver's license. He would take me to church, take me to the grocery store. I had to wait on him for everything. So one day I convinced the pastor to talk to him about getting my driver's license. And so he agreed, you know, because when the pastor says something, you got to do it. <laughs> so he paid for these people to come and teach me how to drive. And I, um, he went and brought me a car, brand new, Pontiac G6 when they first came out, brand new. It had like 100 miles on it from them driving it around the parking lot and stuff, right? Um, so I got my first car and I think I had that car for about maybe six months, right? I had never driven on the highway. All I knew to do in that car was to go from work to home, right? like nothing else. And this was a time like I felt like I was getting my independence back. And so, and I have a book that talks about all this, but one day I remember vividly, he got up in that morning, he said what he wanted for dinner. He took the meat out, put it in the freezer. And the moment I heard the garage go down, I woke the kids up and I was like, we got to go, we got to go. So I got garbage bags and I just dumped their clothes, everything in it. I ran downstairs, I packed everything in the truck and my little car and we hit the highway. And Mm. I said, I'm going to go to Georgia. And um, because I had visited here before and I loved it. So I said, I'm going to go to Georgia and um, we're going to make it. And it was my first because I became so dependent on him. I lost my independence. So I had to get away from that marriage and prove to myself that I can be that woman again. So quick question. What what made you leave so abruptly? Because that's like a. That's pretty abrupt. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, is there something going on in there? Yeah, there okay. was a lot of physical, emotional, okay. and verbal abuse. Got you. Okay. I finally got up the courage to just say, you know what? Good. This isn't right. Good. And so we um, ended up going to Georgia. And I still remember my daughter in the car when we were going. There was this song that came on by Ursha. And I can't um, remember, but I remember it was playing. And she started crying because it reminded her of her father. So I turned the song off. And still to this day, she can't listen to Usher because really? and she's 22 years old <laughs> because it reminds her of us separating. Wow. wow. But um, we got to Georgia. I lived with some people, um, some friends that I knew from when I was in Indiana because they were already here for a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's no pun intended to them, but people like their own space, you know, and I came with children, you know, you just can't invade people's space and privacy like that. So they allowed me to stay with them for as long as they could. Then um, I um, went to shelters and I got my first job in Georgia. I hadn't really had a job when I was with him because I had like little jobs around Christmas time and stuff to help pay for the kids Christmas. But other than that, he didn't want me to work. So like when I got to Atlanta, I knew, you know, I got to make a way for myself, you know, 
I can't tell him where I am. So without any contact with my family, his family or anything, I just snuck away. Nobody heard from me for like three years. And mm. I just started working, get myself back together. And um, the kids were happy. Everything was working. And then, bam, one day he comes knocking up on the door. <laughs> yeah. He found you, huh? Yep. He found me. <laughs> what part of Georgia did you move to? I was in Marietta. Marietta? Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. So he, he finds you and then what happens? Ooh, he finds me. And um, by that time, after he had found me, because I had already been gone maybe about five years. Uh-huh. And so he finds me and um, we talk, you know, and my daughter ended up telling him where we were because he, he had tricked my daughter and told her that Santa Claus was coming and Santa Claus needed to know the address to where he was bringing all stuff. And of course, she's a kid. So right, she was right, like, right. oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one day I'm getting ready for work and somebody's beating on the door and then I hear them, daddy. And I'm like, oh, snap. So I called my grandma and I was like, grandma, if you don't hear from me in the next two days, like this man really done killed me because I didn't know why he was coming. He never talked to me. So and I left abruptly like that, took this man's children and everything. So I'm like, this is not going to end well. Right. So, um. It didn't, even while he was there for that week, it was a lot of arguing, a lot of fussing and fighting or whatever, but it made me realize why I, I left. And so that situation led to me, um, of course, um, leaving my second marriage because I got married again during the time that I wasn't with him. And I realized that I don't really know who I am because I was really ready to go back into that first marriage because I thought, man, if he found me, Maybe it was supposed to be, maybe it was supposed to be, maybe I left, maybe I'm supposed to be controlled by him. Like all those things started coming back. And so I just realized that Michelle didn't know who Michelle was. So that's why I kept feeding on other people's energy. Like I need this man and I need this person because they're going to help me. But I wasn't ready to be with anybody because I didn't know who I was. Right. So I left the second marriage and I just was like, by myself with the kids, and I needed to figure out who I was. So we went through a lot when I was by myself. We um, ended up being homeless. Um, we were in shelters, living in our car, you know, but I had to figure, because I couldn't go back. I was like, I can't go back to this man. So I had to figure out who I was. And during that time, we were homeless and going through that stuff. And all the time I was home, I had a job. I just couldn't afford a lot, the car note and different things like that. Cause I wasn't, I always had somebody helping me. Right. So with one income, it was really hard with three kids and paying for daycare. So what ended up happening was that was about, I did that for about a three year stretch until um, I wasn't homeless for three years, but during that three year period, I learned myself. And you're still pretty young at this point, right? What are you maybe like 21, yeah, 22? Mm, no, because I was with him. I was I was with him for ten years, the first marriage. So I was like um, twenty eight. Okay, it's so twenty eight. Okay, so a couple so. years have passed mm -hmm. by. All right, got you. Yep. And so um, the the second marriage only lasted a year. Got you. Right? Okay. And so I had to really find me because I was broken, and no matter who I was gonna be with, I was gonna break them. No matter how much they loved me, because Michelle did, was not ready. I didn't know who I was and what I wanted. I didn't know where I was supposed to go. I didn't know anything until that woman starts coming back in my dreams again. Mm. And I start realizing Michelle is independent and I can do this. So um, at that point, um, 
I stayed on my job. Like I just started hustling again. I got that hustle back, right. you know, that like back. getting that second job. I got a brand new car. I had a charger. I thought I was a stuff when I got that charger. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I got the charger. I got a second job. I had just moved into a home, like no more written in an apartment. Like I got that hustle back. And when I got that hustle back, of course, I wanted to date again. But then I thought, you know what? No, nah, I'm used to my independence. Now I don't want nobody to control me. Like, let me just be me for a minute. Right. And then lo and behold, Eric starts emailing me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And I, I told the Lord, I said, you know, if this is what you want, God, then I want to have what you want me to have. I don't want to rush into nothing. I don't want to do anything like that. And so when Ari, when Eric came into my life, um, and I call him Ari because his, his birth name is Ari, but yeah. everybody in his family calls cool. him Eric. Eric. So okay. when I say Ari, I'm talking about him. Gotcha. But when he came into my life, he just proved to me that um, real men do exist and they don't have to have anything from you to want to be with you. And they can love you simply because they can love that brokenness in you. And he loved that broken part of me to make me whole. I still remember one day... Um, he wanted, I never learned how to ride a bike when I was little because um, when I tried to, the neighbor that was teaching us how to ride a bike, he was doing things to us that he shouldn't be doing to children. Mm. So I, it, it created a trauma. And um, so Eric one day took me to um, Sam's Club and okay. he's trying to buy me a bike, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, I want to buy And I never told him what happened. You know, I never told him. So he brought up, he up at the counter and he like, get on the bike, get on the bike. I'm going to show you how to drive it. And I tell him, I don't want to, I said really nicely, I don't want a bike. Right, it's a trigger. Yeah. And he's still trying to push me on the bike. And I'm like, I don't want a bike. So it triggers something to the point where I yelled. Like I was like, I don't want the freaking bike <laughs> in front of all these people. And I pushed the bike away and I just walked out the store. Yeah. So he comes out and I knew he, we was going to start an argument, but he didn't. He just like grabbed me and he looked at me, turned me around. And he was like, I don't know what just happened in there, but um, what was that? And I just broke and I just told him, I said, like, listen, the reason why I don't want to ride a bike is because of this. You know, I explained all of that. And I thought he was going to be like, you know, I can't deal with this. You too much. But what he said was, I remember his exact words. He was like, listen, I'm going to teach you how to ride a bike and I'm not going to touch you inappropriately. And if you don't want me to push you on the bike, you don't want me to touch your rear end when you get on the bike, I won't. And it made me feel safe. Mm. And so I knew that moment then that I could build with him because I felt safe with him. Gotcha. So gotcha. we started building. And he and he was a driver at this time? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so he was like o over the road or a local driver? Over the road. Okay, so what you, you said he had emailed you. How, how did he... How did he <laughs> oh, Lord. Was it, how was he able to get in touch with you? Like, <laughs> how did he find Ooh, you? Jesus. Okay, <laughs> See, so... See, I'll, I'll, I'll be listening. I'll be... Yeah. I don't, nothing passes me. So... Man, my friend, she got with a tag account. She like took some pictures and put me on okay, tag. Okay, 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 okay. Got you, got so you. So we met on tag. So he slid in the DMs, basically. <laughs> All right, no doubt. So he hits you up. He's driving. He's over the road. And then y'all connect. Mm -hmm. And then um, tell me more about what happens as y'all start to grow together. We started to grow together. And um, he lived in Eberton, Georgia, which was like two, two and a half hours from Marietta, right? And every time he would get a load to Georgia, he would come to Marietta to come and see me or whatever, spend time with me and the kids and stuff. And uh, my car broke down. 
I had a Cadillac Eldorado and um, it had uh, it finally just gave out. And I was like, man, I got to go to work. I had two jobs. So I'm like, they had repossessed the charger. So I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get to work. When he found out about it, he was like, you know, I got a Cadillac Escalade that I don't even use because I'm over the road. He right. was like, so if you ride with me in a truck over there, you can get it and um, you can have it here. So you can get you and the kids back and forth to where y'all need to be. And at that point, we had not even been together intimately. We were just communicating and he was just hanging out with me. Right. We had never crossed that line. So that was unreal for somebody to want to do something like that for me and not want anything. And he did. Like he literally kept his word. He drove me over to Elberton, put me in the truck, filled it up, and he kept putting gas in it for me to get back forward to work. He took care of it. He was just like, a real man, you know, and <laughs> right. I never seen that. Like right. he was like, I got you. I could depend on him. So we started growing together. We started hanging out more and more. Now he wanted to come home because Ari was the type of person when he go on the road, he ain't coming home for like six months. Right. The house may be just built up. He don't even, <laughs> that's just him because he likes to make money. Yeah. So he would just go. So um, once we started, like, getting to know each other, he started coming home, like, every weekend now. He want to be home. Right, right, right. <laughs> he was like, you going to cook me this? So he'd have his favorite dinner, and I would cook. And we started growing and growing and growing. And so how we started into the business was that woman in my dreams, I was in the dream, and I saw um, me and Ari in Kmart, right? And it's crazy, but it really happened. In the dream, we were in Kmart and we were shopping. And he hands, he's standing over me because, you know, he's pretty tall. Mm -hmm. So he hands over me a check. And I look at the check and it's got a whole bunch of zeros in it. And I look back at him like, what is this for? He was like, that's your money for the week. I was like, I made this this week? It was like (laughs) a bunch of zeros. Right. And I was like, and I woke up out the dream. Well, the next night we were together in another dream and he ended up, um, he was chewing some bubble gum and the net flew up in his nose. And he did that, you know, when you, yeah, yeah. and he got it out yeah. and then he kissed me and the net was in my mouth. And I was like, <laughs> this is weird. So I wrote this all down. I'm telling you, I wrote it all down. I told him about it. He was like, what, girl? <laughs> so no lie, about six months after we had the dream, I tell him about it six months later. We're in a situation where we're sitting at a friend's house. He's chewing bubble gum and a net flew in his nose and mm. he snorts it up, he pulls it out and he tries to kiss me. And I was like, <laughs> and I thought about the dream. Right, right. And immediately I said, oh, snap, we finna be rich. Mm. <laughs> because the dream meant that, and this is what the dream meant. Okay. The dream meant to me that all of his dreams and visions that he had left behind he was putting them into me for me to birth them out. Mm. So spiritually, I was like, when, when this happens, I know the door is open. We need to go now. Right. Um, and then I told you I'm a, I'm a devout Christian. Like, that's my life. Yeah. So when I, saw, when I saw that and it happened, I was like, we in the time. Like, we got to move. We're we, we going to be rich. We got to move now. So I started planning the school. I was like, we just got going. One day I was like, okay, what are we going to name the school? I don't even know what we're going to name it. I don't have no name. I don't have nothing. And I went biblical, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I was like, okay, three rivers. Gotcha. All rivers lead to the ocean. So okay. three rivers. Okay. And we started doing it. And uh, we named the school, got, our, got all of our business stuff, licenses, and everything in order. 
but we didn't have a place. We was just putting everything in order. We opened up a bank account so that we can, you know, be legal and everything. Right. And um, I remember I told him, I said, this school is not a regular school. That's when I knew this wasn't going to be a regular school. There were going to be people coming to us from prison. I had I already knew the vision. And so years before that, when I had the vision about the the net, a pastor came to our church and told Eric, he said, he didn't even know Eric. He just points him out and he says, you stand up. Eric stands up. And he says, the Lord told me to tell you that everything you gave up, he about to replace it double. And it's because of that woman right there. Mm. We didn't know really what that meant. We just kind of like, but now every time something happens, I'm like, yeah, God promised you. So everything that Ari seeing right now is because we were faithful and we were committed to each other. Even when we didn't want to be, we knew we we knew that our marriage was bigger than us. It wasn't about us. It was about serving our community. So even when we don't like each other, we got to deal with it. <laughs> like, you know. Right, right. Got you. So w- when did you start doing the prison ministry? Yep. So um, for the truck driving school? No, no. Prior to that, because you said you were doing a prison we were ministry. In Texas? Yeah. Yep. So we started doing the prison ministry in Texas. Um, hmm, it was like 2010, maybe. So you're with Ari at this time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got. What made you get into doing that? Like, so I went to visit a church, and they had like, um, man, it was so amazing, and they had these people that were visiting from the jail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I didn't know they let people out to go to church. Well, this church had like a connection with the local sheriff's office. So every so often, if you were good, I mean, of course, you were in handcuffs and stuff, but you get to come and get baptized at the church and everything. And I remember being in that service and I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. So I signed up to go and I fell in love with it. Like you couldn't keep me out of there. In fact, one day my name wasn't on the list. Man, I was crying. I called Eric and I said, they won't let me in. They won't let me in. And he said, I ain't never seen somebody cry to go to jail. I said, I'm supposed to be here. They won't let me in. Tell them to let me in. Right. But that's why, like, I was addicted to going in there, talking to them and being with them and just inspiring them, man. And I felt good every time that I was in the room with someone who had been broken or they felt like their family didn't love them or they didn't get a car for their birthday. And then to see me just makes them happy. Yeah. Like it just, man, I I had to do it. It was like a high. I got a high from it going in there and sitting. And we even, um, the ministry that we went in with, we got to go in. um, Once a year, we would go in and spend a night. So man, like can't. It was amazing to sit with it. them and just learn Pour into life. them. Yes. Yeah. And they poured into you too. They really poured into me. Yeah. Really. They changed my life. Got you. And and then you get that call about your son, right? Yep. So that was something that was totally unexpected for you. Yes. Right? He had never been in trouble before? Nope. Wow. Nope. Wow. That was different. Like He'd been in like little stuff, you know. School, getting suspended, stuff like that, but right. never nothing to this magnitude. But um, I remember telling him before we were in Texas and he wanted to come back to Georgia and I said, don't go. And I told him, I said, if you go, I just, I knew, I felt that, that intuition. I felt it. And it was God telling me, like I told him, I said, if you go to Georgia, my covering is going to be removed because God is trying to get to you and you're not listening. And he said, well, whatever. You know, he threw it in the backbone, whatever. 
Six months later, after he went to Georgia, he hit rock bottom and got arrested. Mm. And when I got that phone call, that's the first thing he said, Mama, you knew it. And I said, I begged you not to go. I begged you. Yeah. And so I said, but we're here now. Yeah. So now we got to figure out what's what's next. Got you. Got you. All right. Talk to me about we start this school. Mm -hmm. Right. Tell me about some of the initial challenges that you had kind of getting things started. You talked about you had to get like licensing and stuff like that. So for people listening who would who are interested in maybe starting a school for themselves or just interested in how you would do it. What did you have to do to kind of get started? And then tell me again about some of the struggles, you know, that you had during that time. Man, first, let me say it was tough. (laughs) Okay, Um, it's always emotional when I talk about it. So I don't want to cry or nothing. And if I do, like, audience, please forgive me. (laughs) But um, it was tough being the first black female to do it here. Um, Because, like, um, everyone else here was just, they were already, like, positioned in their career doing it. They've been doing it for years. And then you got this little black girl out of nowhere talking about she finna start a school. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in territories. So it was like, how am I going to do this on somebody else's territory? There are the schools here. And who am I to just jump up and want to take their spot? You know, like you got to pay homage to these people. I believe that. So it was a rough, rough area trying to fit into their game. Um, And you have to learn how to play by their rules. So um, turning in the paperwork for the state was hard because, like I said, I don't have a college education. I didn't know a lot of stuff. So um my application was rejected almost 22 times. 22 times? Yes. It wow. was sent back. Nope. Rejected. Rejected. Did they give you a reason why they rejected Every it? Every time. And I didn't understand it because the stuff I was reading, I'm like, what? What does she mean? What do they mean by this? But there was a lady there um in compliance, Miss Linda, Every time I called her, she was as sweet as pie. Nah, even though she was sweet, I still didn't understand what she was saying because I didn't have no education behind it to know those big words. So I'm literally on the phone with her going through the Google dictionary trying to figure out, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? Okay, so she means this like all the time because I was like doing this on my own because I reached out to people for help, but either they wanted too much money or they didn't think it was worth it. So they were like, why would you want to do that? Like, that don't make any sense. I'm like, oh, God, we got to explain this all over again. So yeah. I just had to go with the flow on my own. So I had to make mistakes, um, get the application rejected, um, paying money every time you turn in the application because it's right. not free. So I'm like, oh, my God, here and, and, we go and, again. And what is that, not to cut you off, but what is that application for? What, is, what are you filling out? For the state to approve you to be a certified school. Okay. So, because you got a lot of people that can run the school, you know, behind doors, you know, and they can, because legally you could train 10 people a year without having any type of licenses. But now that, you know, the FMCSA has changed that law after February 7th, you have to be in their, in their listing for ELDT training. But the thing was before you could just get 10 people every year and you can train them and then you could rent a truck. So you really didn't have to. Um, people were doing it on the, you know, right. the back level. Right. And so I didn't want to do it on the back level. I really wanted to be legal. I wanted to have a legalized school certified. I wanted to have I wanted to be recognized by the state for what we were doing. So it was definitely difficult for us because it was like all these corners that I just didn't know in a political part of it. I did. I didn't have anybody to mentor me in that and say, okay, 
You can't turn this in. Okay, this has to look like this. Okay, this thesis has to say that. And because I didn't have college education, a lot of stuff was just over my head. Right. So for me, it was just learning these words, learning to talk like them so that I can get what get to where they needed me to be. Got you. I guess that was, you know. Got you. So aside from compliance and turning in paperwork, what are some other costs that, you know, you had to incur? Finding the building. Okay. Okay. <laughs> finding the building to have a classroom. Yep. And not only finding a classroom, the parking lot to have a driving range. Because you can go get a classroom now. You can go to a hotel and rent out their conference room. Right. 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 But then it's like you can't you can't drive in a hotel parking lot. So now it's like finding an empty lot that was also convenient for them to get to because you don't want the students to be over here and then they got to drive 30 miles away to go to a lot. One to two miles is okay. But when you start putting 20 and 30 on there, people, that's an inconvenience. And people are like, no, I want to be where it's all in one stop. So it's trying to find the school location and the driving range on the same area. That was the most difficult thing. Mm. So for a while we were using truck stops because that was the only place we can rent a little room in a truck stop and have the parking lot right there. Cause it's a, you know, or so we park trucks. So we did that for a while, and then we um, found places um, in, in different cities or whatever, but it was just finding a stable home Got you. that we can call ours. So you guys would kind of move around for a little while and kind of bring the students to you wherever you're at mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just kind of shuffle while you were still looking for a home base. Yep. Okay. Yep. Got you. So in terms of like uh, the the knowledge base and and, uh, the curriculum, is that something that's standardized? Is that something that the state supplies you with or is that something that you have to kind of put together yourself? So you can um, use the state's manual if you choose to. But um, they're still going to have you kind of add your own little things in it because they, they they like monitor every second, every minute that these um, students are in this classroom. Like, and it has to be detailed to the T. So we had to, we picked from, we did the the state's manual and then we kind of like took out things that we were like, hey, I want to go more into depth with that. Hey, I want to teach us. Like, we still are probably one of the only schools we teach um, map book reading because we want people to know how to read a map in case the GPS goes out. Not a lot of schools still do that anymore. Um, we still do, um, so we do map book route and we also do really in depth on paper log books. People don't do that anymore. Right. But we know as being in the trucking industry, that these are times, there are going to be times when you're not going to be able to use your GPS and right. you need a map book. There are going to be times when your ELD is going to go out and you, or you get a new truck, your truck is in the shop and you got to rent a truck, you got to go on paper logs. So we try to like hold to that true foundation of trucking. There's still some schools that, don't teach um, manuals. Everybody's going to automatic. But we still give the student a choice because we want to hold on to that old foundation. Like truck diesel is in our blood, man. And so it's kind of <laughs> like we didn't want to just make it all new school. We really wanted to hold to that old foundation. So the biggest thing is for um, this. what I would recommend, though, no lie, if you want to start a school, franchise with a school that's already running because it's going to be a lot easier. For you to just go in with them, have your own builds in your parking lot, and everything is already built. Because going through the state and trying to, it's going to take you almost a year and a half just to get it approved. Mm. And if you don't, if financially, if you can't wait a year, you're going to set yourself back. You know, so it would just be easier to like, you know what? I just want to franchise out and I want to be able to take this thing, put it over here. So we do have that now. We just now started where we actually franchise the school out to people. Oh, dope. 
people do sometimes kind of get a little upset because they want to put their own twist onto it. And I'm like, hey, this is like McDonald's, you know? You can't yeah. take my burger and go to two, your house. Two pickles, lettuce, and mac sauce. Let's go. Yeah. You got to do it like McDonald's. And yeah. it's always got to be, this is my favorite saying. <laughs> it's blue magic. Yeah. You can't you can't be changing the name on it. You can't cut it up yeah. and make it whatever else you want to make it. Right. Okay? Right. You know, American Gangsta. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta make That's it. That's that you, Gary Indiana coming out of her. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You can't take my stuff and cut it up. That's French. That's um, what he said was. What's that? In uh, um, in in, uh, in American Gangster. In American Gangster. I can't remember. Yeah, he said you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing. I have to tell people: you can't take our knowledge and everything we've worked for for years, and then come in and say, okay. I want a franchise, but let me just take it and put my twist on it. Right, nah, you right. can't do that. That's our that's our stuff. Gotcha. So you got to take us. You got to take the whole package, and it's got to be. It's got to rock with us. You can't change it or nothing because it's gonna pay you. The business gonna pay you. So yeah. just rock with the business. Got you. Respect that. And then the, my this is not my last question, but in that line of questioning, who who do you guys have to report to in terms of like the state? Um, and government bodies like are you do you have to report how many people you're graduating and all that kind of stuff like how does that work yep um so that's with our record keeping it's got to be detailed you got to know every student that's coming in this door you got to know every minute that they're in this office so um their theory training they're behind the wheel training we have to know if they're coming back from lunch on time um, because all those minutes add up to that completion hour of 160 so by the time you add all those hours up with those logbooks if they're missing some you can't let them graduate we don't we go nope you got to make up those hours because it's important that they're here for that structured time to make sure they learn everything they need to learn because just say they come and they only here for 20 hours right right they may miss some of the vital things like for instance one of the girls when we were on the lot today she said that she missed the first day of straight line and she said but now i understand why it was so vital because like it's like now everybody else is moving ahead of me and I still don't understand how to keep my trailer straight. But so it's things like that, that you have to stress to them. This is important learning. You got to be here because this training, you're going to take with you for the rest of your life in this industry. There are things that we're going to drop out there on those students. Cause when you got your license, same thing, there are things that the trainer said to you that you still live by to this day. Right. And so we got to make sure that we're providing them that meal that they can still eat off of for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. So. Got you. So the initial intent was to start with people coming out of prison, mm -hmm. right? Incarcerated. So is that how things actually end up getting started? Yep. And tell me about that first group that kind of came in. Man, <laughs> that first group. <laughs> <laughs> so this is exactly how it happened. I'm sitting on the lot one day, my phone rings, I answer it. And this is exactly what I hear. Yo, this Miss Michelle. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who's it? Yo, um, so the guard gave me your number. He said I could get my CDL. And I was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we can help you with that. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> he got a rap. You, you sure we want to do this? <laughs> I was like, like oh, Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I said, so when you come home? So, yo, look, I just got out, you know. And um, I got my CD, I got my permit, you know, so I'm finna roll up there, but uh, I ain't got nowhere to go. I was like, ooh. <laughs> you know, you thought right. you were gonna get that, hey, Miss Michelle, you know, how you doing, you know, that, like, 
Right, nah, right, right, man. Right. I was like, ooh, he gonna be rough around the edges. Wow. So so real quick, so he said the guard gave you his your number, so you were like advertising in the prison? Mm-hmm. Like through my son. Through your son. So <laughs> got you, got you, got you. Okay, so your son giving the number to the guards and all that. But not only that, when I would meet police officers, yeah, because I would just know like I would go to people parole, but I wanted to see how it works. So I would just show up for different meetings and stuff in courthouse because I just wanted to see. If they kick me out, you know, I leave, you know, you can't, I don't want to go to jail. Right. But, you know, I would just, I want to see how this stuff works. So I would get to meet different guards and stuff and everything. If I see them eating that burger or something, I roll up on them. Hey, I remember. Da, 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 da. Hey, look, here got my card. I'm helping people when they come home, get their CDL license, you know, just hook me up. Yeah. And they would just like have, be having a conversation with somebody probably at the table and child and be like, Hey, when you get out, call so and so and so and so. And that's really what started happening. So before you know it, my son calls me one day and making stay. He was like, "Yo, you a mogul in here? <laughs> like people know you, you putting lit. people you on. Yeah. Like people was like, yo, Ace, your mama, she still hooking people up. Yeah. People was calling me for people, and they still call me for prayer. They call me like, hey, when I get out, I want to do like literally. So we just became like." Before we were anybody to the people in the free world, we were somebody to the people behind bars. There you and that go. meant a lot to us. Yeah, yeah. So back to him. So yep. he he like um like, so you know, I'm trying to get these CDLs, you know, and I'm trying to bust a move. And I'm like, okay, I got you. And I was like, so you got somewhere to stay in Atlanta? Because he was like three hours away. He was like, no, nah, they told me that um y'all got place to stay on your property. I mean, he was rough. And I did say that. But gotcha. it wasn't like they could stay at the school. Like, I was bringing these people into my home. Wow. So straight out of prison, I was bringing them in my home. Like, we renovated the whole basement. It's like, we opened up our own halfway house. Like, wow. I say, ain't nobody going to tell me I can't train nobody. I don't care what no HOA lady say, right, nothing. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so the, this was my first student. So I get off the, I had already told him yes. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got you. You know, because I don't want to say I can't do it. And he might go back and be like, yo, Ace Mama, a liar. So I was like, nah, we got you, yo. Whatever you need, we got you. We're going to pull up. We're going to pick you up. And we're going to train you. So now I got to tell my husband. (laughs) Um, Remember that little, it's it's happening. It's happening right now. He comes over to the car and I was like, can you come in for a minute? And I walked him away from the students. I was like, listen, I want to talk to you about something. So can we go? Because he would get loud real quick. Uh-huh. And he's very like upfront. Eric don't hide nothing. So he's going to tell you exactly how he feel. Right. If you full of crap, he's going to tell you right there. Nah, man, that ain't nothing. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I was like, don't yell at me. You know, you start going, don't yell at me because the students are watching us. Right. So I was like, um, we got our first student coming home from prison. And he was like, okay, that's good. And I was like, um, no, the Lord said that, you know, our house is like not ours. It belongs to him. <laughs> you know? And he was like, okay. yeah. <laughs> and I said, um, he don't got nowhere to go. And I kind of already told him he could come here. So you got to go pick him up tonight. That's it. <laughs> that's kind of how I did. I was like, don't what? start yelling. <laughs> he said, Man, I'm tired of God talking to you. He needs to talk to me. You always coming up with this stuff. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. He said, God needs to talk to me about that your is, visions. Yeah. But you just be talking about God told you something. Like he don't talk to nobody else. <laughs> I said, he do talk to you. You need to ask him. Right, right, right. Yo, that <laughs> so is So he funny. was like, nah, we're not doing that. And I said, but 
That was the whole plan. I said, why you think we did the basement? He said, girl, I thought you were doing that basement because you wanted me to be in the basement. Not because you wanted to do this, because right. I kind of like threw that in. Yeah. We should redo the basement. Like, plus, you have a spot, little yeah. man cave and all that. <laughs> you made it sound I real took the good. the man cave out. It was crazy. Oh, Yo, so, but he, you know what? He honors the God in me. So he flew right along with it. He okay. just fell into that place. And so um, he went to go pick him up. And he was rough. Oh, yeah, he was rough. And you know what? But though he became like one of our really good friends, like this kid still calls us. He still I mean, he's now been driving almost two years. And when I say this kid is like exceptional, like when people come behind him, they have some hard shoes to fill because we expect that same thing. Like he was our first one. But, um, man, he's just like he man, I I can't even explain it, but. Ari became like a brother to him, mm -hmm. something he never really had, but also a father too, um, a best friend, everything. And so in the meantime, while he's there learning from us, Eric was also walking into his calling too while he was doing it. And so he was our first one. And man, it just rippled from there. It was wow. like, it was like God was like, if you could handle him. I'm going to send you more. And before you know it, they just start coming in. And I hate when I talk to people, side note, and they be like, you let these people live with you? I'm like, and all I could think about was like, I want to do this because what if it was my son that needed somewhere to stay? There you go. And he just got out and nobody will open the door for him. Like, and I'm not stupid. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be... We ain't out here just being gullible, you know. Of course, we license to carry. We just ain't gonna be dumb, you know. <laughs> but you got to give people a chance, you yeah. know. So and so for us, it's like, man, their family—they live in our living quarters with us. If we don't have room in the basement, they live in our living quarters with us. We eat together. We go to dinner together. Like that's what it is. They're part of our family. Wow, wow. So you 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 mentioned that. Um, he was already was with the students when you had put him to the side. So you guys already had some students mm -hmm. kind of training. How, about how many guys people were you training at that point? Man, before at that you, time, yeah, we were training like, and when when we first when we first started, we started off. People still don't believe. We started off giving people a CDL license for five hundred dollars. Okay, just to put our name out there. Okay, and so people were calling us like, man, it's a gimmick. Ain't nobody doing that. So we was doing people like ten people a class. You know, um, maybe five people. But it went from five to 10 to then it went one month. We were at like 20 and to now we're doing like 60 students a month. Wow. Um, Simply because people love the like how you feel when you came here. I um, mean, when you went on that lot, that's who we are every single day. Like we no matter what happens outside that door, when we come in here, all that's out because these people need us. And they paid us to do a job. And I don't like playing with people's money or their time. Right. Um, and the other thing you saw that I'm very strict. Like, I'll play with you. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when I came up on Old Boy, like, I was like, y'all talking about straight lining, right? Yeah. That's what you you made a song and about you, straight And you lining. wasn't playing either. Yeah, I was like, was like nah, if that real. ain't what it is, you need to get back to the truck, yo. <laughs> right, right, what right. You <laughs> right, right, right. You know, because it's like. Um, you have to take people's time and money seriously. You can't play with people's time and money. This could be their last dollar. And I don't want them to waste it on the dream that we can't even help them. Mm. So I take that very serious when they walk in this door because that's how I want to be treated. If I'm spending my money with you, I want you to take my money seriously. Right. So um, 
But now we're, and we handle every student with care. No matter how big we get, I made that a promise that we're going to handle each one of them with care. Each one of them are different people. So I can't treat all of them the same. So it doesn't matter how big we get, no matter which trainer comes in here, they have to follow the flow of me and Eric. We got to work together like a family. When we have team meetings, we bring people in to help us do team things. Like we go out for our team meetings. Like we go to Andretti's, we go play top golf. We do stuff like that because I want them to know that they're a part of our family. And if I treat them like a family, they're going to treat those students like a family. Right, right. So that's really important. But yeah, we originally five to, and when we got up to 20, we did it with one truck. Mm. We had 20 people on one truck. Wow. But let me tell you something, all 20 of them people passed. Wow. Wow. The, and, and, and the only reason in um now two, Three of them passed like later on simply because they quit the program and then came back. But um, no, we like we keep our word to these people, man, because I went to truck driving school. I know how I felt. I know the things that were done to me. I know um, the rudeness. I I know that I know that feeling and I don't want people to walk away from me the way I walked away from them feeling. Yeah, I felt like, man, I wasted my money twice, spent over 12 grand to get something that I really could have already could have just taught me. But because I was too hard-headed, by the time I got to them, I already knew everything because Eric was already teaching me. <laughs> so it was like I paid them for something that I could have just listened to my husband to do. Right. And they broke me even more. Like, they were rude. One school I went to, they was feeding us bologna sandwiches. Oh, wow. And I was just like, man, we y'all making too much money off of us to do that. But... So when they come in here, I don't play that with their money or their feelings. I want them to know that I care, but you're not going to manipulate me. Got you. Got you. Is, is there a, a industry standard on on price like that you should pay for a truck driving school? Because I remember when I got my license, this was years ago. I think I paid like four grand or something like mm-hmm. that. And I believe... Um, I got it. It was tuition. I got a mm-hmm. tuition. I I got it through unemployment or something like that. Mm-hmm. How do you do you guys work with unemployment? How does that kind of work with you yep. guys? So right now we have grants through um, Goodwill and a lot of people don't know that. So I hope y'all listening. Um, Goodwill will now pay the full cost for you to go to CDL school. And so they use different sponsors that will pay for your training. They'll pay for your private training with us. They'll pay for your test fees, your retest fees, your permit training, everything. They'll cover the whole ride. But we do like, so let me tell you how we started. What I did was I kind of looked at all the other schools and figured out where they were marketing at. And I wanted to stay just underneath them so that I could still be able to get our community into the game. Because if I'm going to do it the same price as them, I'm still not helping nobody because I'm not giving them a break. Right. So we're kind of like maybe five to seven hundred dollars under okay. the average school so that we can keep people like us getting in. But I force that. Man, I push goodwill hard on people like, yo, if you don't have the money, but you want to get in, call them. Mm. I go to their career days all the time. I talk to these people because I don't want people to miss that opportunity. If you want to get into the industry, there is an opportunity for you to get into it without having to pay out the pocket. Got you. The, the majority of your students, do they pay out of pocket or do a lot of them come through different it's, programs? It's kind of it's kind of half and half. OK, it's kind of half and half. OK, got you. Tell me about, you know, just the day to day training these students. Like what what are some of the things that you see people struggling with the most? Um, that they have to kind of get over in order to learn how to drive a truck? The first two days. 
the first two days are overwhelming. And so um, you got to catch them in that very first day, because that very first day we do pre-trip, right? And we go through the whole trip. And you know that pre-trip can be a mother. Oh, yeah. Because it's like you got to learn all these parts of the truck. And like you just stepped out here. (laughs) So it kind of like scares them. So when we see people kind of back off a little bit, we gravitate toward them. And all the trainers are taught that if you see somebody standing out by themselves, it's usually because they're feeling overwhelmed. They're scared. And they're like, what did I sign up for? I can't do this. So we, our trainers are taught, gravitate to them, pull them in, make them get close to you so that we can ease that that emotion a little bit and get them to want to be here. So that's the first thing is knowing that those first two days are going to be held for them because you got to remember you got adults that they have not been to school, some of these people in the last 20 years. And then now you're trying to put them behind a chair and put them at a desk and all this stuff. And everybody don't learn the same. So you can't teach at, you can't have one teacher form and stick to that. You got to be able to say, okay, this person learns like this. This person could be a kinesthetic learner where they have to be, they have to repeat over and over and over. So with that person, if I can't offer that, what I'm going to do is give them two options. Either maybe you need to go to another school or we have private time where you can actually pay to be with a trainer one-on-one for mm-hmm. however many hours you need so that you can get that one-on-one. You're not with somebody or three other people in the truck because it's fast pace out there. It's like three weeks. So you've got three weeks to learn how to drive this truck. But the most important thing, though, too, is making sure that the students understand that we're not expecting them to be perfect. We just want you to try. Right. Because as you try and you keep trying the same thing the same way, it's going to become repetition. And then also letting them know nobody expects you to go out of here and just start driving and be Superman tomorrow. (laughs) So this is a learning thing. So we don't expect you by the time you go take the test to be a professional driver. And they have to understand the state understands the same thing. This is a training program. So when you go to the state, we're not saying, oh, we're going to give you your license. You're a professional driver and we expect you to handle this for the next. No, that's too much pressure. So we tell them you're here to learn and you're going to make mistakes. And it's okay, but let us help you so that we can eliminate some of the mistakes. Right, right. That's all it is. Just ease their mind a little bit. Got you. How How and where do you find your trainers? And how many trainers do you have on staff now? So right now we, um, we're looking for another one. So we have two so far plus R, which is three. Okay. And, um, we have three trucks out there, so they run all three trucks, but I want to add another one on there. Cause I want to take, um, Ari completely off the field so that he's able to do other things. I think it's time for him to really like, um, step up and kind of play that um, person behind the desk. We need to put Ari behind the desk a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. So, you know, cause it's time for him to really learn the business. And I know that he wants to do that, but he also wants to be hands on. So I'm going to try to, um, I'm never going to be able to replace him. Cause that man, like you, y'all been in the industry. I'm still a baby to even you in the industry. I'm mm. only, I'm, I only got 10 years under my belt. Gotcha. You know? So like, but y'all got 20 plus, you know? So, we can never replace him. We just want him to fall back a little bit so that he can do more of the things he wants to do. It's time for him to go fishing. And this <laughs> man got boats and all type of stuff that he never used. So I really want to give him the opportunity to be able to go fishing, go on a camping trip, go on a hunting trip with our son when he comes home, with your grandson. So that's the goal right now. I am looking. So if y'all hear me, I'm looking for a trainer. Yeah. 
But the goal here in our trainers, um, I like loyalty. I come from the projects. Loyalty. Understand the vision. Even if you don't like me, be loyal to the vision. That's the thing we live on right here. You ain't got to like me. You don't have to get along with me. But if you loyal to the vision, we going to get along. Because, see, a lot of times what people don't understand, people get mad at you. And then they be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But you already agreed to it. So even if you mad, just do what you said you was going to do. Keep your word. Right. And so if you could do that, we're going to get along forever. Because loyalty is a big thing. And I grew up in that era where you got caught. You don't tell nobody. You got to do what you got to do. So it's still, I bring that part, that street part of me into who I am. Like, you got to be loyal to the vision. You got to understand the vision. And understanding the visions means this. Because you already know that I'm a Christian, whether you serve God or not, and you want to work here, when I'm ready to move, I'm ready to move. So if I say tomorrow, like, hey, we moving here, don't question the vision, go. Because it's going to pay off. So if you could do that, you can rock with us. But I don't like people, well, what about this? And how are you going to do this? <laughs> You're going to make me start doubting if you right, keep right, doubting. Right, just right, flow. Right. So that's really it. As, as I'm interested to know, has uh, mixing like the prison population with civilians ever caused a conflict in the students? Like, have it, has it ever been like a negative thing to where like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to learn with prisoners. Like, has it ever come up before? No, because you'd be surprised. The people who you think are prison people be the people who just come off the street. Like, you wouldn't even know, <laughs> know who's who. until they start telling you. So you'd be sitting next to them and be like, yeah, you, before you know it, you'd be planning a whole family trip with them and just realize he just got released two months ago. <laughs> and then you'd be like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> hold, hold up. Did, wait, did you, you hear what they, they, they gave right. I get that all right. the time. Right. And sometimes, you know, it does kind of like, you can see the the... The facial expressions change yeah, yeah. during graduation when people start telling the story. People be like, <laughs> "This man, I didn't invite this man to my house. <laughs> he didn't ate dinner at my house." <laughs> oh my god! So you do see it. I, I see it, and I just you know I don't feed into it, but I see it because they become friends because they can see past, and that's that's the key though. We've created an environment here where people could go past that, right? you know? And when people can go past that, they don't have to live in that, oh, I went to prison for 10 years. These people can really come here and really be somebody that they want to be. Right. Because ain't nobody got no business asking you nothing about that anyway, you know? And so because we don't put them on front street like that, you would never know. Now, I do make it known to people when they come in. That that's our background. So, but I don't tell them that they're here. Who's who, whatever. Yeah, like, I just make it known so that they can never say, "Oh, well, I didn't know that we we're going to be training with prisoners," and you know, stuff yeah. like that. They get all political. But usually, um, most of the people we've seen so far, they love the fact that um, they're here. But I do get those that'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> "Let me tell you, one time it was so funny." <laughs> <laughs> One of the students, right, <laughs> he said he don't eat meat, right, because of his religion from being in prison and stuff like that. I think he didn't eat pork or something, right? So um, one of the students that did not go to prison went and ordered like three pieces, right? 
And he ate the one pizza and he had two sitting on the ground while they were practicing. <laughs> so the student that been to prison, he was hungry. We knew he was hungry that day, but he never said nothing. You know, I could tell because I knew he didn't go to lunch. Right. And I kept saying, you sure you don't want to? No, I'm good, Miss Michelle. I'm good. I said, okay. So I'm sitting there watching. I'm sitting off in the cut. And he go, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> he ran over to the back of old boy car. He did just like this. <laughs> like, and he's like eating the pizza, you know? Right. And so the dude in the car was like, man, I said anybody could have it. You ain't got to sneak, man. They put right. them all on Front Street. I die laughing because he was back there sneaking, eating the pizza. And it reminded me of something. I said, I bet you he probably did that when he was in the chain game. <laughs> right. Like walking it's, past it's people. Institutionalized Sneaking that bit. pizza real, real quick. Like, yeah. Nah, man, I ain't got no pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's crazy. So so I noticed while I was out there, you you definitely have control Uh of, of, of what's going on, of the environment, the students, like you said, um, you know, when you said you, you, you talk about straight lining and like he got right in check. Mm -hmm. So was it always like that? Uh, how'd you earn those stripes to get that respect from the students? It's always been like that with me. Always. Um, again, it's that project mentality. Like I don't change my, I wouldn't change my childhood for anything. Um, I grew up knowing that if you want to be the boss, you first of all, you have to pay homage to the boss. And then that way you could be invited to their table. So I always, always respected the older women and the men that put me in the game, like for real. So like when I started this business, like I came in demanding my respect. Like you wasn't gonna, you wasn't gonna talk to me. You wasn't gonna yell at me. You wasn't gonna do any of that. We're gonna respect each other, but you're gonna follow the rules. And so even in every contract we do, and like I'm probably still probably the only school that when we have people do our contracts, I go over the contract with the whole class word for word. Because here's my thing. The moment you come to me and say you don't like something, the first thing I'm going to say, where's the contract? And I give you a copy of everything you sign. So don't come to me telling me what you don't like now after three weeks because guess what? You signed it. Right. So if you didn't read it, now I'm going to ask you, can you read? Because now that's the problem. You can't have a CDL license if you can't read. That's true. So it's like, you know, I, I try to make sure I'm very firm on that. And I'm firm on that even with the trainers. Like, they all know. Even the trainers line up when I come out there. Because <laughs> I'm the one, like, and I make examples out of people. If you're in the truck and you're doing something wrong three times in a row and you're not listening to the trainer, and the trainer sometimes will be like, I don't know what to do. I jump out the car, get out the truck, go to the back. And so when people see that, they know. Okay, when she come out here, if you're not doing it right, you got to get out and let somebody else try. Yeah. So that that um that aura is already about me. So people already know, like, do not play. And I don't want them to be like on pins and needles, but I want them to understand this is a serious, serious job. And other people's lives are in your hand. That could be my daughter, my grandson in front of your truck. And I don't have time for you to be playing and not know how to use those air brakes. I don't, that's not a game anymore. So like, I just, I don't know. I bring that mentality that I grew up in into the industry. And it's, it's hard because my husband is not like that at all. Mm. My husband is like, he's very like. More laid back, even he's killed. He's very laid back. I can tell. Just cool dude. He's, he's that person. Eric won't say nothing <clears throat> until it blows over. Right. But I'm that person. As soon as you do something I don't like, I'm like, can we talk? <laughs> because I, I'm feeling some type of way. Right. Like if your energy is off, like when, like I went to someone today on the yard, one of the trainers and I went to them because I felt their energy when they came in here and brought me the, the book. 
And I said, hmm. So I text him. I said, hey, I'll be over there in the hour or so. Can I let you? And I just rolled up on him. I was like, yo, you good? Oh, you know, I was thinking, and I knew it was something. I was like, well, all you had to do was ask. Right. All you had to do was ask me. And I was like, you know, I don't like that. I don't like feeling indifferent when I'm around you. And so it was a simple thing that he needed to know, but I guess he felt like I wasn't going to answer or whatever the case was. But I'm very like, I don't like to hold stuff in. I forgive very quickly. So, because it may just be a simple misunderstanding. Yeah. So let's get it clear and let's work together. Let's move on. Has everyone, anyone ever tried it? No, no, probably not with me. Not with me. <laughs> they done it with Eric, though. They done it with Eric. <laughs> like one time. <laughs> so one time Eric is taking the automatic truck on the road, right? He's in the office talking to me before he's loading the people up because we take them out like two or three people at a time. So he's getting ready to load the truck up and everything. And he was talking to me and getting all the fuel cards and stuff. So while he's talking to me, the truck is moving to come out the lot. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you the trainer, who moving the truck? <laughs> right. And he's like, what? So we run out there and like, I thought he got it under control, you know? So I said, okay, he going, he know what I would do. They getting out the truck and right. they going home for that. Like right. you going home for that whole day. Right. So he didn't, he let that boy still drive. Right. So the boy was driving. They got stuck on the train track. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so Ari had to move traffic back and get that truck off that train track. Or um, he could have had an incident because the train came as soon as he moved the truck. Mm. Like literally, yeah. the train went by. So the kid comes in later. The student comes in to me because Ari got him out the truck and went on about his way. And then he got back to the school. That same student came in my office and he sits down and he says, Miss Michelle, I didn't drive today. And I said, you didn't? I said, weren't you on the list? Yeah, but Mr. Ari kicked me out the seat, and I paid to learn how to drive. And I said, well, there's got to be a reason that happened. So I call Ari. I get on the walkie-talkie, and I call him into the office, and I said, well, the student here is saying they didn't drive. <laughs> when I said that, Ari was like, he almost killed us. <laughs> and I said, and then here goes the student. He said, I need to smoke a cigarette. I was like, well, you're going to smoke the cigarette after we have this conversation. So. Right, right. Because you came in here making it seem like that you just didn't drive today when in reality, you didn't drive because you almost killed three of your students. Exactly. exactly. But he didn't tell me that. Of course not. Like, it happens like that all the time. I have the guy I called Mr. Telephone Man. Yeah, yeah, Because in here, when we were doing permit training, like every so often I catch him and he's texting. So I didn't touch his phone or anything. That's his personal property. So I said, you know what? I think you should text in front of the class since you like to text so much. So I was like, so <laughs> you sit in out. front of the class. So he sit in front of class. Now he don't want to bring the phone out at all. He like, just going to write down whatever you say, Miss Michelle. <laughs> so I made him do that for the next four days in the permit training. So he can understand that out there, it's no game. Yeah. That cell phone can kill you. Wow. So we put him on Front Street so that he can, now he don't even have the phone. When he got the truck, he was putting the phone in his pocket. I said, where was that phone at? He said, it was in the cup holder, Miss Michelle. I, I I don't touch my phone out here. Right. So, like, they know if I see a cell phone and I stick to the rules. If I come out there and you have a cell phone and you're not behind that curve, you're going home. You, you can't sit in your car. You can't watch. You can't do pre-trip. You drive off the lot and you go home. And you will pay to make up every hour that I sent you home. Because mm. that cell phone is a huge no-no in those trucks. And if we 
don't be serious with them here, right. they'll take that as a game when they get out there and be like You're trying right. to text somebody while they're driving and could kill somebody. A hundred percent. You're right. It has to start here. I mean, this is where they're learning, right? Yep. They got to create those great, good habits. Yep. What, what's, the, what's the toughest part about your job? Sending people home. Because mm. even though I do it, I still be like, dang, man, I know that he need to be here. I know that like he trying to get his family together, but I got to make an example because going back to the projects, if you don't make it, I've just seen the dope boys make examples out of people and everybody else know you better get them their money. So, and if I don't make that example, people going to be like, oh, she ain't going to say nothing. Right. You could be late. I make an example because I don't want to do it because I know they need it. But if I don't do it, they're going to come in here whenever they choose to, and they're going to just do whatever they want. But another thing is I'm not friendly with them like that. You know how I got out there today? I speak to everybody. I don't want anybody to be that comfortable with me where you could just come and sit down and tell me about what you and your husband ate last night. I don't care about that. I'm here to train you and get you to another level. So I'm not friends with anyone. I make that very clear. I, this is not a friendship. I'm just here to get you over the stone. So, like, it, it is hard because... Some people you really like when they're out there. You're like, man, that person could be a really good friend. Now, when they graduate, I'd be like, yo, girl, what's <laughs> up? How you doing? Right. But while they're in school, we don't do any of that. Any student here could tell you that. None of them will come to my home. None of them will hang out with me outside of school. We will not do that because that will lead us to an area, a gray area, where you will feel you don't have to respect me on that lot. Yeah. So. How many people have you graduated so far? You just said the oh word graduate. Do, do you know what the number is? I don't even know. <laughs> it has been so many. If, if, if you had to guess, what would you, oh what would you say that number is around, mm. around? Probably at least 350. About 350 people. Yep, at least 350. Wow. That has and and that's like even some of them will go to work and come back, you know, to the program because sometimes it's like staying out of work for three weeks. It's not feasible. So they'll have to take some part of the program and come back. But um, one of my greatest accomplishments during graduating is um, we trained the NFL player for the oh, Chicago yeah? Bears. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And um, he came here, got his license while he was in training. And then, like, he had to take a break. So he took a month off to go back and play the last game and all that stuff, training and everything. He came back. No training with us. He was like, Miss Michelle, I'm ready. So he told me, he was like, well, everybody else be listening to their music while they be working out. He said, I hear Miss Michelle. Okay, this is not crack being broken. This is not crack being broken and leaking. He said he played the pre-trip in his ear all day, every day while he was in training. Right. So... He came back. He was out of school for like a month and a half. He came back, took his test, passed it on the first day, hour and 20 minutes. Mm. And that's when I knew that we have a gold mine here. Like we could teach people how to do this, but they got to take it serious. And if they take it serious, they're going to get their license. Got you. Got you. What type of student were you? When you when you got your truck driver's license, because <laughs> you so hard on these on your students. What type of student were you, Michelle? I was really hard on my trainer. <laughs> so so you hard on your trainer? <laughs> I was so bad. Listen, I remember I used to be <laughs> the first school I went to. Right um, when they was teaching Alley Dot, um, the trainer was sitting down there, and um, he was a heavy set guy. He was talking about a pot roast that he had. 
on for the day and he couldn't wait till he got home. He was going to cook this pot roast. And I got mad because I didn't know how to alley dock and he wasn't helping me. Right. I said, you need to stop talking about that stupid pot roast. You need to get over and help me. I paid you. <laughs> and he was like... Who the she talking to? I said, I'm talking to you. You got my money. <laughs> Yo, I was mad, disrespectful. Oh my God. So, <laughs> they hated me. The trainers, after I said that to him, the trainers did not like me. They would go the other way. Right. So, like, they wouldn't want to help me. I'd be asking questions. They'd be like, it's in the paper. So, I went to the owner. I went and knocked on his eye. I was like, your trainer's not helping me. <laughs> And um, I done paid them all this money. So now when people do it to me, I'd be like, mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yep. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I was hell at both schools, <laughs> at, man. At two schools. Yeah, because the first school, they kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. No, they kicked me out of there. They were like, nope. He said it in front of the whole class. He was like, there are some people that are not meant to drive trucks. And Michelle, you're one of them. <laughs> like, no, you gonna teach me you got my money. <laughs> right, right, right. But he sent me home and Wow. And the second school, I did get my license, but um it was tough because yeah. I asked a lot of questions. And sometimes people, when they don't know the answer, they get mad instead of just telling me, you know, let me find the answer. Right. So like the lady will always get mad every time I ask a question and stuff, and she just be talking all off the subject. I'm like, just tell me you don't know instead of just getting all upset and slamming stuff. I mean, she used to be emotionally like, yeah. But um, yeah, I was I was a bad student, man. I failed my <laughs> test six times because I wasn't paying attention. Oh my god! I'm just like playing around, hanging out, trying to order. Tell me how we gonna study, and we ordering pizza and fish fries and stuff. We weren't studying. <laughs> we in that playing space. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. I was a horrible student, man. Th- th- so how long did you drive after you got your CDL? <laughs> oh man, I man, when I got my license. The day I got my license, he had a load to New York. So he picked me up from So Kentucky. y'all were just driving team? Yep. I drove teams with him um, for about eight and a half years. Okay. And then I did a little stuff on my own, but okay. I was always with him. We didn't see, we didn't, we didn't put, we, we kind of skipped oh, over yep, that part. Yep. I always drove with Ari. And he had me running from the day I got my license. Yeah. You know how some people be like, you just an extra logbook? Not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You he ain't like, a lumper. You want to get into the industry? That's what it is. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you ain't an overpaid lumper yeah, with a license. Yeah, you want playing that. Man, that's crazy. Because, I mean, I seen you out there and you you was on it, man. You know your stuff, you know, so. Man. It, I had to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, Because he, he gonna go to sleep. Right. When it's his time to go to sleep. So, and he always said this, we ain't going to be late. The truck going to get there. I might not be there when it get there, but it's going to get there. That's right. his favorite saying. Like, right. we're going to get this truck to heat. That man, we have never, ever been late on the load. I wow. promise to you, he do not play that. Wow. He take his job very seriously. Yeah, I love that. What a, what, what a, what a story, man. So what is next for Three Rivers Trucking man. Truck School? What's, so, the, what's the next step for y'all? I want to and just and just kind of like tell like everybody what you got going on here because you got a, a huge establishment yeah. here. <laughs> just kind of explain because we're inside, but just so people know. Yeah, so I want to take this to more of a technical college. I could say like I want to offer more things than just truck driving. Like I want people to come home because some people may not want to drive a truck. They may have children. They may have a family that when they come home, 
This is not feasible for them to just go on the road. They've been gone for 20 plus years or so. So I want to do stuff, have trainers in here that can do HVAC, that can do um, electrical training, that can do warehouse training, different things that we can offer in this one facility so that this can be like a one-stop shop. So like in the industrial world, I want to be like a one-stop shop, like a Walmart. You can come in here and you ain't got to go nowhere else to get your nails done. You can get your nails done. You can get oh, you a wow. pocketbook. Yeah. You can get some clothes. You can get some cherries and grapes and stuff. You probably <laughs> get some diapers. You know, I want to be able to do that. Like, right. they can come in here and just go on a wall and, like, literally say, okay, I'm Immerse do themselves this. in it. Yeah. yeah. And they could find out. Like, remember I told you, I also want to do a podcast here, a podcast room where people can rent that room out and, Build their own platform. Right. Like, I want to offer everything. Her dispatching classes where you may just want to dispatch, but I want them to know that, like, whatever it is in the industry, that, like, if we have the ability to do it, I want to be able to do it and show them that it, the buck don't stop unless we stop it. So as far as we want to go with this, we can go as far as we want to go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's a fact. Uh, man, this has been an amazing story. I've really enjoyed talking with you and and learning about <laughs> you and 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 how, you know, the, the company was built and everything. Really dope. So we're going to kind of wrap up because we've been rocking for at least an hour and a half or something like yeah. that. Um, but before we go, we always have to get uh, two things. Our final thought from our guests. And that thought can be uh, spiritual. It could be entrepreneurial. Whatever's on your heart to leave with our audience. And then lastly, you have to let people know where they can connect with you and learn more about what you're doing and more about yourself. So you can start with either one and just okay. knock it okay. out. Okay. So um, we are on probably every social media platform except, uh, I think, Twitter. But um, you, Three Rivers Trucking School, the number three, Rivers Trucking School. That's where we are on everything. We have the name copyrighted, so you're going to find it on everything. Um, but you can call us at um, 1-800-315-7022, and you'll listen to the lovely Tashara, and she'll tell you everything you need to know about the school. Um, but we're located in Commerce, Georgia, um, off of um, exit, uh, what, 147, right? 147. 147, That's yep. Right. Off exit 147, so it's 3769 Maysville Road yep. in Commerce, Georgia. Where you can come. Most people come here and they be like, is this really a school? Because they see the warehouse. Yeah, and then, yeah, they, yeah. then when you open it up, they're like, whoa. They're like, oh, okay. This is a school. This is a college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. <laughs> this is it. But um, the most important thing to leave with people um, for me is that woman that was in the window, walking past the window all the time. Like, I don't want people to forget their dreams, man, because it's important. It's important to have that dream. And really finalize that dream. Go into every detail and finalize it. Make it happen. That's the most important thing. No matter how long it takes you, no matter, um, it doesn't matter. The length of the time, as long as there's still breath in your body, you could do this thing. You could make it happen. And so if you got to write a book, if you got to journal, whatever, whatever you've been called to do, a place on this earth to do, it doesn't matter the time. Just do it. Start it somewhere, please. Because you don't know that other people need what's inside of you. You know, so you don't want to start it. And so it's holding somebody else up back here because they're looking for that. Right. So it's just like, just start it, man. Just do, just start it. From failing trucking school to owning one. 
Man. Right? That's dope. How about that? <laughs> Nobody ever said it like that. <laughs> if you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Hustle fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. I'm here reporting live from Three Rivers Trucking School. Michelle, myself, we out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.